0: I was on the brink of like homelessness at that point and they would take credit cards out that they wouldn't even know about on my social security number I and mean, they wouldn't even come to my house and then I would look on my credit okay there's another card for like 7500 and then it would just be like one thing after the next and I'm like what am I gonna do?
1: Today it's Stephen Mango who is a former Scientologist who is gay and had to deal with the homophobia in growing up not growing up, but in joining Scientology at 18 years old. He wanted to be an actor. He wanted to be the next Tom Cruise, John Travolta, the next Kirstie Alley. They basically wheel out these big names for you when you sign up at your most vulnerable. He was bullied as a child in a Catholic school, had all sorts of difficulties, of course, growing up gay, having to keep that secret. He was about as vulnerable as it gets and Scientology nabbed him they nabbed him and he also was in Louis Theroux's My Scientology movie so we talk a little bit about his experience with Louis uh, who is a hero of mine as I'll talk about I love a bit of Louis Um, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode and do go check out Stephen Mango's Mangotology YouTube page if you want to hear more from him and as a way of supporting him and keeping up with what he's up to as always loads of big episodes coming up but now you're on the edge of homophobia in scientology and also some weird extra stuff we'll talk about with steven mango Stephen Mango, who was previously in Scientology, answer me this. Do you think Scientology is at fault either by stress or by discouraging you from getting checks for your nine tumours?
0: Yeah. um, So when I was actually in Scientology, I was like 18 to 21 years old around that um, time frame. So I have a genetic condition. So I have these tumours that grow like inside the nerve. So they're very painful. But they were kind of slow growing, so at that time I started feeling pain kind of on my like tailbone sort of area, which is kind of a weird place to kind of start having pain. So when I was in Scientology, at the time that the pain started to like flare up, Scientology is very big with chiropractors. So they were saying, go to a chiropractor, start trying to handle things holistically, right? Because how Scientology will view it is that you are at fault for like having this pain. You pulled in something or you're out ethics or, you know, any one of the number of things that they place the blame onto you because it's never Scientology's doing. So, Um, yeah, when I was in Scientology, I wasn't going to get like an MRI scan because why would I subject myself to that type of like radiation or getting a CAT scan? So, of course, at that time, I wasn't able to get proper like medical care, checking on these tumors and stuff that I have to the point where years later, you know, I was in a minor car accident. And that's when I had an MRI and noticed that these tumors were growing and stuff on my spine. So, yeah, I mean, from the physical to the mental health, you know, I was just like kind of a free bird, I can guess, in a way, because I was just like relying on Scientology's technology to fix like everything in my
1: life. Is is there a feeling when you're in Scientology of, of shame when something like that does happen to you with your body or anything like that? Oh, yeah, totally, because
0: you see everyone else, and they seem so happy, and you're at the Celebrity Center, because I'm here in L.A., so we're at the Celebrity Center, there's these galas, and, you know, I was there when, you know, Tom Cruise is there, and John Travolta, and, you know, all these other, you know, sort of, like, minor Scientology celebrities, and you're looking around, you're like, I want to be that, because I'm an aspiring actor at the time, saying, like, I want to go be this movie star, but there's something wrong with me, because, A, I'm keeping a secret that I'm gay and I'm in the closet— Yet I'm about to be on these posters advertising Scientology <laughs> at the time going to every single order on the world of my face saying that there's never a better time than now to call yourself a Scientologist. And that was my like campaign. And at that very time, I'm like, I have the secret of being gay. Like you're saying, I have these tumors and these pain that something's wrong with me. And I just want to fit in. Like all I had moving to Hollywood was basically like the shirt on my back Um you know, basically, in you know, at that point, probably forty, fifty thousand dollars of debt. So I'm like, I don't have much left because my acting career, I'm trying to have it work out, and I'm not getting as many auditions as I was hoping at eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. So I'm like, well, you know, I just have to go along with it because I need to try to make
1: Scientology like my identity at that point. Do you think that hiding being gay as one we're going to get into that as well what it is what it is to be gay in Scientology did hiding being gay keeping these kinds of things secret do you think that exacerbated your but both mental and physical health Oh totally yeah because you know if I wanted to start like going on a
0: date or doing something I'm having Scientologists show up to my house to try to reg me and try to get money from me so they're trying to get me to join the Sea Org at that time and you know, it's kind of fast forwarding in the story, but when I was, you know, six weeks away from joining the sea organization and going to flag and moving to Clearwater, like giving up on my acting career, I basically was like, going to probably be homeless at that point because I was like maxing out my credit cards and putting my rent on credit cards. So I'm like, Hey, you know what? I can just devote my life to the sea organization. So I was, you know, about to do that. And, um, you know, I met my spouse, blah, blah, blah. But, um, I'm trying to think of what your original question was on that. But, um, yeah, I was just in such a kind of, like, dire dire position, and it was just causing such, like, mental stress, but, oh, so, like, the Scientologists coming to my house, like, trying to recruit me into the C organization, and it's like, if I want to try to, you know, have a guy come over to my house or go on a date or something like that, Scientologists are, like, literally there all the time, because I was kind of a sucker, obviously, for, you know, I just kept giving them my credit card and stuff, because I'm like, please, like, I hope this can, like, save my soul in a way, too, you know? because people have this misconception, like, Mm. oh, I was just trying to, like, become famous and become an actor and do everything through Scientology. And, like, yeah, that's the perk when they're promising you to be the next Tom Cruise, and you're an 18-year-old kid with nothing, but, you know, I'm being bullied incessantly growing up, you know, having kids attack me physically, you know, beating me and stuff like that. My family's just, I, I was just, like, I wanted that fresh start to move to Hollywood. And if somebody's saying, like, hey, we could help you. We can put you on the top of the casting director's piles and look all around you. I'm literally in like the home of Scientology with all these celebrities, literally like I could turn my head at the gala and I could be like, oh, look, there's John Travolta. Why wouldn't I believe them? Wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Like at that mind frame. Now we know a lot more, but you know, 2009 to 2012, it was before Leah
1: Remini's show, so on and so forth, right? So I had to kind of figure it out on my own. Did you know that you were gay at the time? And is it something you had to hide from Scientology? Yeah, and what
0: was really hard, too, is I was still kind of wrestling with it because I grew up in, you know, a Catholic church, a very strict kind of, like, household and stuff like that. So I wasn't, like, out at that time because in high school it's, like, 2004 maybe or something. So it wasn't as, like today's day and age where kids come out, they're making a TikTok, like, look, I'm gay, I'm trans, whatever that, you know, (laughs) they want to come out as, right? So it wasn't that sort of an environment in a Catholic school because I'm being bullied and I'm not going to, like, put a target on my back at that time in a Catholic upbringing. So I basically got into Scientology two months after turning 18, like two or three months probably. I moved into LA in June, I think, or May of 2009. I was in Scientology by August. So then I'm in a homophobic environment, so I'm opening up Dianetics, and it says, you know, the sexual pervert to be brief, and then it literally goes and runs off all these things, lesbianism, sadism, and it just goes off into, like, the famous paragraph that, you know, defines how Scientology views being gay. So I'm reading that, and it's a lot different when you, like, are wrestling with those feelings, and then you're opening up the book. And then you're seeing it. And then it's like you hate yourself even more. But you're thinking Scientology is going to raise you up on the tone scale. They're just going to bring me up tone. And they kind of said that in that sort of like not so like direct way. Like, hey, you know, like if you are at like a lower tone, like we are going to bring you up like through the process of auditing, which is their way probably like we probably have some inclination that you're not straight. But we're trying to word it like, hey, we could fix you once you're going into session. So like hold off a little bit longer with, you know coming out or doing anything. That's how I kind of took it.
1: Wow. Okay. So you thought that you could be, so to speak, fixed? Yeah, more or less. I
0: figured that, like, when you're in Scientology and you start, like, reading the text and you're, like, really indoctrinated past the point of, like, a couple book and lecture courses and stuff like that, and you're starting to go into session, and then you're starting to, like, slowly, you know, go deeper and deeper into Scientology, like, over the years and stuff like that. Yeah, you think that that they're going to fix, like, everything in your life. I mean, like, L. Ron Hubbard, like, there's some sort of like tech for everything so it's like what do i feed my baby here's the formula that l ron hubbard came up with like every little tiny little minute detail of your life there's something to go to so i would go to them and say like hey i'm having issues with you know a friend okay here's the tech on ptssp like there was always something so i'm like wow like all i have to do is like show up literally to course and they're going to fix like why am i not you know, successful, why am I not booking acting jobs? Why, you know, am I gay? Why am I having, like, physical pain starting to come up in my body? Because that's a sign that, hey, something's going on. And that they'll do, like, a touch assist, feel my finger, thank you, you know, those type of things. And it's like, okay, like, I'm having to come up with now an answer, like, yeah, it feels great. Because then if I don't say, like, I'm feeling better, then I, there's something wrong with me, or I'm, you know, out ethics and all these type of things.
1: So you spin yourself in your head. It's so sad, though. I'm so sorry that you that you had to go through that. It's a really, really sad thing that they've put you through. Oh, totally. Yeah. And that's why I think it
0: takes so many years to like decompress and kind of understand, like, what do I believe? What does Scientology believe? Because you could walk out the door and then you're left with yourself and you have this mind now because I was a young adult. I was 18 getting in. And, like, my views of the world were shaped around Scientology. Like, I couldn't take an antidepressant. I couldn't take a Xanax or something like that. I I couldn't go and do things because I was still in that sort of, like, mind. So, I'm like, okay, like, how do I, like, live in this outside world? Because now I'm, you know, this big bad SP and I'm starting to blow the lid off the thing on YouTube, right? So, I'm like, now, again, I'm putting myself in even bigger sort of, like, here I am on the internet talking about everything about what was my life inside this you know celebrity center so i was really really struggling mentally after like leaving scientology too i mean of course in but afterwards too it's just the betrayal and just everything that you go through is
1: just really intense people don't really realize i suppose we should explain for those i mean i guess probably most people have have been watching lots of scientology stuff there's a few things you've said one is alt ethics uh one is the tone scale um and one is sp Yeah, that can I can remind you of the three. (laughs) But can you can you go through? So what is the what is out ethics? Um, So basically, in
0: Scientology, they have their own like ethics and justice sort of department. So If you go like outside of how Scientology wants you to behave, you, for example, like I remember one time too, I was like one second late from being on course. And because I was like one second walking in the door when she already said the word roll call for course, then I'm being sent to ethics because, hey, there's a reason inside of me that I wasn't on time. Like maybe I'm doubting the technology. Maybe there's a word that I didn't understand because you have to look up every single word in all these Scientology dictionaries and get the derivation and you're just like, like in this like little mini like concentration camp when you're on course. So I go to ethics because I wasn't complying with what Scientology like wants me to do. So that's by going out ethics, so going against Scientology's rules. And then there's just like steps of these formulas. So if, you know, for example, I like betrayed the organization in some way, I started talking to the press when I wasn't supposed to, then I'm like now in a condition formula that I have to work through to like, go to every single member in Scientology and get them to read my condition formula and sign it off that, like, I was a bad person and I want to, like, get accepted back into the group. So it's just like reconditioning formulas. So as a suppressive person, an SP, that's me, that's Leah Remini, that's anyone, that's probably most likely you, anyone who's going to be talking or interfering, my spouse, we're all, you know, on Scientology's you know, suppressive person's list. They put up a notice, I believe, too, in the Celebrity Center that specifically said, like, Steven Mango is now declared. Because, boom, overnight, within, like, seconds, my Facebook list, like, cut in half. Like, I was just getting all these, like, people, like, we can no longer associate with you any longer so you're just basically more or less an enemy potential trouble source pts okay. is you know um you're a potential trouble source of it's always like so weird to like try to define i'm like so used to like thinking of about the words but basically you're you know possibly you know in trouble more or less with scientology okay. and then the tone scale um is basically l ron hubbard has every tone from apathy grief you know, boredom, excitement, all the way up to, like, total serenity of beingness. So you fall anywhere on this tone scale. So being gay is considered 1-1, which is, like, covertly hostile. It's, like, the most sinister sort of, like, I have a knife at your back, but I'm smiling at you. So by through the process of auditing, they're claiming they could help raise you through these levels. You'll go through anger, on your way to boredom, all the way up to, like, this total serene kind of being. So you're chronically always at 1-1 when you're gay, but again, at the Celebrity Center, allegedly, too, there were these different registrars, I have to say, allegedly, on this, but um, that they would go to, like, Broadway shows, they would go to different things, and they would promise these actors, too, like, hey, like, we could help, like, degay you, more or less, if you go through auditing, and we could help you with your career, and there's a lot of that sort of type of stuff that um, is happening. So it's just a very well-oiled
1: machine of how they're trying to recruit new blood into Scientology. I suppose you say allegedly because the accusation that Scientology is still performing... Uh, attempts at gay conversion which i don't know if that's actually illegal in the u.s but it has been made illegal in certain countries like ecuador where oh. it was very prominent um so so that that you know you'd have to have a lot of evidence i suppose and they might take exception is that that's the kind of thing
0: uh yeah and especially when you know you're reading the text and then you're saying like hey auditing could fix anything we're going to raise you up on the tone scale these different things it's not really like literally presented as like hey, like right away, like, hey, like you're going to be able to, you know, not be gay, but hey, like you're, you know, out 2D, meaning like 2D, the eight dynamics of Scientology, and on your second dynamic being like family, sex, procreation, you're now doing something wrong because how Scientology views it is, again, like marriage between a man and a woman. So if I'm now out ethics and I'm now out 2D, then I need to fix that. So again, there's processes of auditing and condition formulas and things to fix you on that second dynamic. So it's not literally like you're going to walk in the door and they'll say, hey, you're gay, we're going to fix you. So it's just, again, once they feel like you're in enough, you're dedicated and you believe in Scientology, then it kind of unfolds a little bit more from there.
1: Okay. I think for me, I'm going to say I think they are doing gay conversion and I think that the evidence is in the tone scale. It's one of the basic principles of Scientology and the idea that gay people are somehow sneaky and out to and you have to do all this auditing, which is Scientology therapy, to get it out of you. To me, that's mm-hmm. that. I think that's enough, and they can come get me. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't really want them to come and get me, and, and I, you know, I hope they don't. I'm sure some will be watching from OSA, the Office of Special Affairs. They they always like to tune in, but uh-huh. uh, whatever. Um, did it? Let, let's let's um get into why you joined. Scientology. You, you mentioned you were bullied at Catholic school, and it's, it's interesting to know that be, just because we often talk about people joining any cult, for, usually from a place of vulnerability. Was that how it was for you?
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, especially when you're an 18-year-old kid, you're moving to Hollywood with a couple thousand dollars maybe for you know two, three months worth of rent, saying like, hey, I hope maybe I'll get some auditions or something will kind of you know happen for me. Of course, when you're 18... You're not really delusional, but you're just in your own self of feeling like, hey, like, nothing could go wrong. I'm young. I have my whole life ahead of me. Like, let's take this journey. Like, what could go wrong? Like, it was just like a very, like, lighthearted spirit. But I was rebelling against my upbringing with my family and the Catholic Church and everything. And I kind of liked it a little bit, too. Like, I'm feeling like, hey, you know what? Like, I'm now in Scientology, and I'm pursuing my acting career. And, like, my old life of, like, just, you know, it it just felt kind of like, oh, like, I'm, like, on this path. And no one believed in me. I mean, yeah, my family was supportive. Like, yeah, we wish you luck. Good, you know, if you need anything, give us a call, type of thing. But they, um, You know, probably secretly didn't want me to stay in LA because I grew up in Boston across the country. And, you know, I'm the only person in my family that's ever done something like this. And, um, yeah, I got into Scientology and all of a sudden I'm being love bombed with people saying, like, you're so special. You're so talented. Anyone that doesn't believe in you, they're, you know, again, people who are against you because we believe in you. We see this in you and we're going to help make you the next Tom Cruise. We have the connections. We have industry nights on like a Sunday night where you can meet casting directors, managers, agents. And this is kind of how it sold to me. And then again, when I'm in these, because I was in through like a $50 book and lecture course of, um, well, it was through an acting workshop. And then I got in through one of these $50 books, hey, just take this book and lecture course, it's going to help you with, you know, whatever's plaguing you. Because what they're doing in the acting Mm -hmm. seminar, because that's how I initially found them, I was reading a trade industry newspaper for actors that said, hey, you know, breaking into the industry, like, you know, it was like free or $20 or something very low, and they're like... Come on to Celebrity Center, and we could teach you like how to get into Screen Actors Guild, how to get an agent a manager, like everything that I needed as an eighteen year old kid. Sure, I'll take a twenty dollar you know course or something like that. So I show up, and again, when we're sitting there, that's when they're trying to figure out like, hey, what is that one thing in your life? your ruin, as they would call it in Scientology that I would later find out what is that one thing in your life that right now, if that was not like present. What What is that, and how would your life change? Like, what would, you know, be that one thing? And if you say something like, oh, you know, I'm a little bit, you know, whatever. I have a little bit of stage fright or something. Like, no, go deeper. Like, find, like, that one thing. And you could be like, oh, it's, you know, whatever it is at the time. Like, oh, you know, if I didn't have this you know, cr- cr- you know, crippling de- anxiety. Oh my God. Cause I was 18, which is I'm 32 now. I'm trying to think back at the time, you know, it was just like feeling like deep sense of like, in- like insecurity and feeling like, you know, if I was to go into an acting audition, like I wasn't good enough that I didn't believe in myself, that I had anxiety and depression. I was bullied. I just felt kind of like crippled in that in a way. Like I just didn't feel like I could be, like, my true self, like, you know, if you're trying to be an actor, you have to be very quick to access your emotions, you know, take after take after take. And if you're feeling insecure, like, oh, I don't really know, you can't make, like, a bold choice in an audition and be like, I'm going to go there, I'm going to be, like, really, you know, whatever the emotion you have to be, really sad, really grief-stricken, because you're just like, oh, I don't know if I can really, like, conjure that i'm so like nervous because my lights are going to get shut off (laughs) so it's like when i have that sort of like mentality it's like i had the weight of my world like if i did not like say cry in the audition i have to cry then my lights are going to shut off in three months and i'm back to massachusetts and then i'm under my parents like control because they were very like helicopter sort of parents like very controlling and i was trying to have like my big spiritual awakening in la i guess until I found out that, you know, everything kind of crumbled from there. <laughs> everything just kind of went, you know, and snowballed quickly because they saw it on my face. You know, they knew that I'm like young, naive, I want this. And that's when they kind of started, you know, all the regging and seaward recruitment. And it just went, you know, from there.
1: A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right. Available wherever you get your podcasts. This is how, for you know, people watching. This is how Scientology gets people when they feel most vulnerable. I mean, you were 18; you, you were a kid and you're a kid mm-hmm. who had just been through a horrible experience at school, didn't know where you fit in, you were hiding or getting to grips with being gay, despite growing up in a fairly religious background. This is this is like textbook what Scientology goes for, and they go and they get you and they are aggressive about it. When they were love-bombing you at the beginning, mm-hmm. so they're telling you you're going to be the best, we're going to make you a great actor, were they watching like your reels and stuff? Were they watching like bits of you acting or getting you to audition, or, or were they just like, you just look like you're going to be a great actor? <laughs> um,
0: probably that at first like hey like you have the a great personality and you're young and you have like the looks of whatever. So at first it's that but like they would have these like acting like workshops and stuff because they have to do that as like the first layer, right? Like no one's gonna walk in and then be like, okay, like I'm gonna start like exercising body thetans off of me and like self-exorcisms. Like no one's gonna do that off the street unless you're a little bit like kooky, right? So then it's like the first level, like, okay, they're gonna come in, they're in Hollywood, like we'll give them a script and they could practice some like acting you know, scenes and stuff. And then they have their own in-house Scientology videos, like doing a Dianetics film, whatever. Like, hey, we're going to put you in our videos, which will be good for, like, your exposure, your demo reel. Like, who's going to want to see that? As, like, a Hollywood casting director, they'll probably blacklist you nowadays. But that's the very first level. Then once, you know, they find your ruin, once they start putting you in course, once you're starting to have, like, that first, like, win in the Scientology session, like, you're going in and you're like, wow, I just realized this big epiphany, whatever it is for you, then it kind of like locks you in and then you're like hooked and it's kind of like an addiction. But the way I've been like describing it to people now, because when I was first like telling people my story and speaking out, they're like, you're such a, you know, effing idiot to like, like who in their right mind, like you deserved to be like played by Scientology. Like anyone who was like scammed like this deserves it. But I'm like, well, look at it as- Who says that? Well, when I first came out in 2000 and 13, I think my video, I did a two and a half hour documentary about Scientology um, that got a couple million views, then Louis Theroux saw it and everything. That was back, that was like 2014 or something like that. And yeah, and at that point, that was before Leah was kind of doing her TV show and stuff. And yeah, there was a few people on YouTube, like two or three like critics that were like starting to post videos, but it wasn't like a daily like person that was like uploading like content about Scientology. So at that point, when I was, like, kind of speaking up, I know I'm jumping a little bit forward, but just to say, like, the best way for people to understand is, like, it's an abusive marriage. Like, you're in a marriage with somebody. It's not as easy. They're like, Steve, why don't you walk out the door? Like, even, like, when I'm in Scientology and they're taking for my credit cards, and they're doing things that are clearly, like, illegal, um, it's just, like, you know what, it's, like, for, you know, the greatest good, for the greatest number of dynamics, like, it's best for mankind, like, they took my money, but, hey, if, I, you know, if they take 5000 from me, I'm gonna, like, absorb, like, 5000 worth of, you know, dollars spiritually, so, it was just, like, all these little, like, manipulations, mind gains, like, yeah, I could've walked out the door, I didn't live there, I wasn't, my parents weren't in, I wasn't a second generation, I'm um, Scientologist, but, You know, I was so mentally warped in that world and abused, you know, that it's just kind of like until you have somebody to like shake you awake or like you access the internet when they don't allow you to, you're just like in that mental prison.
1: Yeah, you were a kid as well. Uh-huh. I, mean, I think that's ridiculous. People having a go, and so many people have walked in who who are not kids and who haven't been bullied or whatever, and, yeah. and they still stay. Not just in Scientology, but in all different kinds of cults and ideologies and things. Uh-huh. What did Louis Theroux say to you? Did he say? Did he, Did you meet him? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I came out, I did a two and a half hour
0: video inside the Scientology Celebrity Center, just telling like my whole full experience of like how I got in what is Scientology just everything because I'm like I kind of would have wanted that myself if I could have gone on YouTube at you know 18 years old and found like a you know any YouTuber now if I saw your channel anyone to kind of see what Scientology was it wasn't really like that online and plus I got in so quickly to be like don't look on the internet like don't research Scientology it's gonna like interfere with whatever we're doing with you it's like that type of thing oh it's all evil bad SPs writing things on the internet But, um, yeah, so I put up the video, got a couple million views, like three or four million, not that quickly, but, um, Louis Thoreau was doing his, um, like, feature-length documentary, um, My Scientology Movie, I was in it for a few minutes, I was kind of helping him, like, produce it behind the scenes a little bit, too, and giving him information and all sorts of things about Scientology, so I was kind of, like, working with him, like, even though I wasn't in the film a very long time, I was kind of you know, feeding him information and kind of like working with him over the course of several months, maybe like six months. I don't even know how long it was because that was back in like 2015, maybe 14, something like that. So um, yeah, he came over to my house and, you know, we spent like a whole day like filming, telling my story and stuff like that. But again, you know that when you do that, you're going to when you're talking to someone like louie right it's gonna be a big you know shitstorm more or less in a good way i wanted to it felt made me feel empowered but you have to realize too at 21 22 years old you're still a little bit like okay what could they do to you are they gonna fair game you and attack you and stuff and years later they poisoned my dog oh my god like so like like years past that point probably like 2017 or 2018 I guess it's not that long ago but um I had a um like two three-year-old puppy um and again this is when I was speaking up very like heavily I was like going to the media I was on like feeding information to tabloids about Scientology just I was like in this like I have to take Scientology down like I hate that they have tax exemption what they did to me I was in like that sort of a stage and when that was going on um I have, like, a front gate of my house, and there's, like, black, like, um, bars. But you can, like, reach your hand in. So, again, there's, like, Scientology, like private investigators or people that they send out to follow me or intimidate me because I live literally like I could walk here with you in two minutes to go to Scientology Media Productions. I'm near Scientology's big blue church. I'm like probably ten minutes away from Celebrity Center. It's not a big secret, but I'm like in their like little hub right now still. So again, I go to the grocery store and there's Scientologists at the time like filming me walking around with like their cell phone cameras like this. And then it's like, okay, like they were trying to get me to stop, like, my YouTube videos and channels and speaking up, like, hey, like, we're going to do something. So, again, um, with the dog and stuff like that, they fed some sort of, like, poisonous, like, meat or something. And then he had this, like, elevated, like, liver, like, um, basically it was poison, but it was like his livers were... Billy Rubin level or something was like so elevated and so high. Like they were going to try to do some sort of like surgery, but he was like bleeding out. Like they wouldn't be able to do the surgery. So we had to put him down at like two or three years old, but my husband and I love our dogs and our you know puppies and stuff. So I think that they knew that would be like a sensitive spot for me or something like that. But then I contacted Leah Remini at that time and I'm like, Leah, this is what's going on because I don't know how I was. I think Leah messaged me like once or twice on Twitter or something like that. And then I'm like, Hey, because then I already had an open DM. I'm sure she gets, you know, so many people that write to her, um, you know, being a celebrity. But she was going back and forth with me like, okay, like you have to contact this detective at the LAPD and we have to do this, whatever, you know. Um, And at that time, too, which is interesting, one of Danny Masterson's accusers, um, her dog was poisoned like two weeks or something before mine was poisoned. It was like literally like back to back basically um which i thought you know looking back on like oh like they were just doing that and then Leah was telling me that like the clearwater chief of police or something she had some clip or she told me to find it or something of him saying like they're out there killing people's dogs there's some sort of like clip that the chief of police was saying something and something so um and at that time too i'm dealing with mental health struggles because i wasn't like going to therapy i wasn't getting help and then you know i'm talking to Leah like oh my god i'm like crushed and heartbroken they're you know, poisoning and killing my dog. And then I'm like, am I unsafe in my own home? And I'm still out here, like making YouTube videos being like, you know, this is how Scientology effed me over. So it was just like a really, really scary, like time in my life. I know I'm jumping ahead so much all over the mm. place, but it just, you know, I just get all the feelings that pop up about it. It's just, it's still an
1: emotional no, experience for me. It's it's really interesting. Um, And, and- the, uh, just for for those who don't know, um, Leah Remini is the actress from King of Queens, uh, which I used to watch growing up in 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 the UK, and it was very funny, and she, she's great. Um, and Louis Theroux, or Thoreau in America, the son of Paul mm-hmm. Thoreau, the travel writer, and the cousin of. Justin Theroux, the Jennifer Aniston's mm-hmm. ex-husband, uh, who's, who's basically a hero of mine, Louis Theroux. So uh, I'm very jealous, Stephen, that you got to meet him and work with him because um, I, I probably wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for watching Louis growing mm-hmm. up and, and seeing how he interviews people and stuff. So he's uh he's really really cool and it was so funny too because i was lying
0: it i was lying in bed with my husband one night we were watching some like documentary about las vegas he did one about las vegas because we like to travel and go to vegas and stuff like that and i was telling him like i want to be in a louis documentary one day my husband's like you know like why would louis be here because again he's not like as prominent like in america as he is in like the uk i mean people still know him but i'm like i want to be in a documentary of louis and then maybe like three to six months later you know Scientology you know (laughs) he's doing a documentary about it like go figure (laughs) so yeah I I thought that was really cool and again it's like people giving someone like me a voice someone of like his you know um, credentials or credit because Scientology when you're leaving is like no one's gonna you know believe anything you say you know you're not gonna be an actor you're blacklisted from the industry if like you leave Scientology you're gonna have no friends I had a small business like helping actors with like marketing services and public relations like all my clients were Scientologists they all you know went elsewhere for their services, obviously they would have to because I'm a big bad SP. So it was just like, my life was just crumbling. I met my husband luckily right before I was going to join the C organization within six weeks. And then I was going to, you know, join and go to flag and keep my sexuality hidden. But when I met him and stuff like that, he kind of helped to like wake me up and all that sort of stuff. But it was just like, I was on the brink of like homelessness at that point. And I had nothing. My credit cards were gone. Like, you know, obviously they were charging them up and they would take credit cards out that they wouldn't even know about, like on my social security number. And then they would charge them and they wouldn't even come to my house. And then I would look on my credit and then they'd be like, okay, there's another card for like 7,500. And then it would just be like one thing after the next, after the next. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like I'm this hopeful 18 year old kid to like being 21 or 22 and being like, I have like nothing like Scientology just like wrung me dry of everything at that point and luckily you know i met my spouse and i I had a safe place to be and stuff like that but there's a lot of stories like mine and people who don't speak up you know because of just the mental stuff or just the fear or whatever i mean luckily there's a lot more people speaking up nowadays but you know even like 10 years ago it was like marty Rathbun, and it was like mike rinder like a few different of these like higher up executives but There wasn't like a public person at like celebrity center like me that like was like you know i'm gonna blow the whistle on this sort of thing but even with like marty rathbun again working hand in hand with david miscavige i was there with marty rathbun working on that louis documentary my scientology movie it's called Mm -hmm. such a dumb name but sorry louis it's a dumb name but um (laughs) because it's like people are like why are you calling it my scientology movie but um i was there right when marty was kind of flipping back to go inside scientology He was going through stuff like on set at that time like Scientology operatives were all outside while we were filming exposing Scientology inside the sound stage and Marty's like flipping back and forth through the production cuz I was there obviously several days like working with Marty and stuff and then Marty was kind of maybe going back into Scientology but kind of like getting information about the production and stuff like that that we were doing exposing Scientology cuz Marty and Louie were working for you know months and months on this production and Scientology was You know, intimidating him, I guess, Marty Rathbun to such a degree that, you know, he was just like, you know, he never really spoke up again. And then he was said to take a settlement behind, you know, behind his lawyer's back. I mean, it's a whole entire thing. But um, I was there kind of like during some Scientology history, I guess, of that sort
1: of thing happening or critic history i guess (laughs) Mm, that was that's a really interesting one as well that maybe uh, a lot of people might not know about is that marty Mm -hmm. rathbun it was one of the main characters in that my scientology movie by louis theroux and Mm -hmm. as you say was going through the stage he had just left scientology and was actually being brought back in and i watched it years ago but i seem to remember was he even during the filming having arguments with louis
0: Uh uh-huh and that's what was really awkward because i was like being a mediator during some of it like they would have these like screaming matches on set between, like, Marty and Louie and, like, the direction of, like, the production of, like, what they were filming. We were filming these, like, reenactment scenes of, like, David Miscavige hired by an actor. And, you know, how Marty kind of was perceiving things was different than how Louie was of, like, the abuse and different stuff. But they were, like, fighting back and forth, back and forth. Because I think Marty at that time, again, I'm just guessing he was, you know, speaking to Scientology, perhaps. And they were saying, hey, you have to try to, like... Brush this production to like A different direction maybe Like working with Scientology While being on a production Exposing Scientology So I think this just like my early years Of leaving Scientology Being involved in a lot of these different things It took so long for me to like decompress from like all these things it was just in a highly stressful ptsd sort of type of situation when you know you're being followed by a scientologist to the set and you're there with marty rathbun who's one of the top dogs but now he's not and then louis there just it was just a lot going on at the time you know i was suicidal and it was was just like i was really just like grappling or whatever the word is just with my feelings in such a place that i'm like I don't know how to handle these feelings and stuff because I don't have Scientology to help me, you know, with you know what I was kind of going through because I just relied for so many years on what does Scientology say about these things. And then once I saw the corruption and everything in Scientology, I'm like even if I'm going through it, I have to try to like help other people like to know like what is going on because I need to like save another like Steve Mango from getting in this, like,
1: system, almost. <laughs> Is it possible Marty Rathbun never really left Scientology and that he was being sent to derail Louis' documentary?
0: I don't, I don't know... It's kind of like such a long sort of like thing to think about, but like in short, I don't think so. I think he genuinely did come out because he like on his blog, if you go through like old, old posts that he would make and just like the things that he would talk about of like exposing upper management sort of things. And I don't think Scientology wanted somebody like Marty to do that. Like, I think that if he was like some undercover operative, like he was on that production, then I think he would have left Scientology, maybe collected some information on critics, what was going on, like being like very surface level. Like I left Scientology. It wasn't great in upper Scientology management. And I'm here to hear your stories. He was like an independent Scientologist auditing people outside the church. So he could get information that way, conducting those Scientology auditing sessions. So I could see that being a case. He wanted to get all the, you know, information from critics. But I feel like he really was like one of the big, Scientology critics for a very long time, so I don't think he was always that way. But, Mm. you know, when Monique, his wife, filed a harassment lawsuit, you know, my husband's a lawyer, and what he was basically telling me is that if Scientology... Um, was sued, or like if Marty sued Scientology, he signed all those enrollment agreements, agreeing to Scientology services, agreeing to like the ecclesiastical, even though we both will say it's not ecclesiastical religious. But Marty agreed to that. He agreed to be in Scientology, even if he left. But Monique is like a private citizen at that time, being harassed and followed by Scientology. So she had... According to my husband, he wasn't her lawyer, but my husband's like, hey, she has a really strong case against Scientology. She never signed up for Scientology, yet she was being harassed. So her lawsuit, that's when Marty was alleged to have flipped, was that her lawsuit just all of a sudden, right when it was gaining steam, all of a sudden the lawsuit just up in air like, nope like we're not pursuing the lawsuit we just want privacy whatever and then the lawyers never got a cut of the deal because they're saying hey no we just like abandon the lawsuit it's too much stress but it's what was said was that he took a deal you know behind the backs of the lawyers and everything took the money and then went back to Scientology allegedly I don't know if he's in or not I mean I don't know what the deal is I'm it's not like I'm like you know going to you know one of the Scientology churches, and oh, there's Marty Rathbun outside the front door. But, you know, I don't know about all of his sort of thing, but it's just very interesting Then all of a sudden during the production, things started flipping, and you could see it in the movie a bit. He started getting a little bit more hostile towards Louis and stuff like that. So it was very interesting.
1: Yeah, it's a weird thing. And I guess, again, for those who are not that familiar with the ins and outs of the history of Scientology, this was a huge thing. Marty Rathbun, who was so high up, as you point out, leaving. Being in a Louis Theroux film and while being in it, gradually, suddenly from this lawsuit, suddenly that disappears and he's sort of maybe back in Scientology or it's just disappeared. No one quite knows uh, what's going on at all. And, And there's also an interesting thing you hit on, I think, because a lot of people have said they and a lot of people watching don't always understand this and they find it strange is that people leave Scientology, but they remain practicing Scientology. I suppose like you might uh, leave the church or leave synagogue or whatever it is and still hold a spiritual belief in, in Judaism or, or mm. Christianity or, or a God of some kind. Um, and so he never entirely left and was sort of flip-flopping and, and might have been pulled back in.
0: Yeah, I think that that's the sort of thing that I tell people, too, is, like, you can't just wake up overnight unless you were, like, in Scientology from, like, 2010 to 2020. And around 2017, maybe you started getting doubts and you stopped showing up and you started researching. So by the time you leave in 2020, that's when you're like, you know what? It's... You know, all a big fraud. I hate Scientology, right? When I was leaving, yes, I was, you know, having $50,000 that were ripped off my credit card. Yes, they were, you know, um, recruiting me into the C organization and trying to get me to abandon my life. Just everything that was kind of going on and starting to see, like, you know, oh, they're not really applying these Scientology policies, whatever. So then when you're leaving and you have, other ex-Scientologists, people like, hey, you know what? Maybe you should just, like, practice Scientology outside of Scientology and apply it how L. Ron Hubbard wanted it to be applied. So there's all these different sort of, like, groups. There's, like, the critics who hate Scientology, the critics who hate Scientology, but they like the technology and they still practice it. People who want to reform Scientology, people who just want nothing to ever do with the word Scientology once they're leaving. There's so many different little things, but, yeah, I didn't wake up overnight. I didn't, and I'm, like, honest to say it, of, like, I didn't just leave and then boom, like I'm a normal free spirited person. Like I'm like, you know what, maybe like if I could go into session, you know, with like an independent Scientologist, like maybe they could handle my problems, but they won't be homophobic towards me. And it's like, I was trying to like reason and justify and I'm like, I can't go and get drugged. This is what I'm thinking at the time. I'm like, if I get, you know, into the hospital, you know, cause I was having mental struggles, like If I told people I was wrestling with these sort of thoughts and they say got like a 5150 hold, which is when they psychiatric inpatient you for three days, like against your will, they would probably, you know, drug you is how I would, you know, think they're going to drug me with like Xanax or like, I keep saying Xanax, but I just think of like, what's like an anxiety sort of thing. What would they give you? Right. An antidepressant, whatever. I don't even know. Um, They would give you something like that. And then I would be ineligible for more Scientology services, even as like an ex-Scientologist. And again, you guys, I'm talking from, like, 2014, like, nine years ago or something. I'm not talking about, like, six months ago here, but that's what I was doing. And then I would um, try to pursue that, of trying to get help by doing, like, Scientology with other people who are ex-Scientologists. And then at some point, I'm just like, you know what, it's all just, you know, a scam at the end of the day. Once I started realizing, kind of, like, what they were putting me through, all the mind games and Once you kind of like look at every little part of Scientology, that's when I'm like, okay, um, I'm, I'm just like not going to like something just like clicked in my brain. And I'm like, no, like this is all like they do this to everyone. Like I wasn't special to them. I wasn't going to be the next tom cruise by scientology's hands i wasn't going like i just started realizing like oh if i sent my mom in there they'd be like you're gonna be the next angelina jolie or whatever like they would just tell anyone who has that mind because scientology it's like what does he want What can we promise him and how do we get it? And they would train me how to do that to other people, like recruiting and friends and stuff. But I'm not realizing like, oh, at the same time, that's what they're doing to me. Like finding that one thing that you want and sucking the person in. There's a course for that. You have money problems, there's a course. And that's how they rope you in because so many people would be like, Steve, I just want to take one of the introductory courses. Like I found Scientology on the internet. I'm like, no, it's like programming you even from those simple entry-level courses or else, none of us would have been sucked in. None of us that were not raised in it wouldn't have been involved because there wouldn't be any like sort of mind control. There wouldn't be anything that they'd be promising to fix to help you with. Um, it doesn't matter what your spirituality is or whatever. Like they're gonna promise you anything to get you in those doors, and then literally, it's you know fair game to like extort you, take your money. I still get emails, messages all the time. Oh, they made me put in my social security number into this iPad. And then they took off, you know, $20,000 for auditor training. It just, it's still happening. And that's why it's like, it's not something that, you know, I would tell people like, you know, oh, you know, yeah, dabble in Scientology is like the most dangerous thing for the mind, you know? So that's why I'm like so passionate now. But it's also hard because it's like, how many people have spoken up like, you know Leah Remini like all these people who are very important who have big platforms and then it's just very hard to see like Scientology I drive by every day to go to Starbucks and it's like I see people on the street it's just like so infuriating like you want to save people and be like no please don't go in those doors but it's it's just really scary. And especially being in like the hub of Scientology in LA, you drive by and you're just around all these Scientology orgs. I mean, they're empty nowadays compared to what they used to be, but
1: still just seeing the buildings triggering as an ex Scientologist sometimes. I bet. I bet. And then inside the building, is it, is it just in the Los Angeles one? Um, the celebrity center, the Scientology celebrity center. I mean, and, and, and give me a glimpse. Of what it is, is it, I mean, what is it? Is it a complex, a centre? Is it a room that's in every Scientology place Um, that says celebs only, no one else allowed in the room? What is this? Yeah, so Celebrity Centre,
0: it's a location in Hollywood. It's in this big castle. So when you're going there, there's actually like a celebrity entrance. So if you are one of these you know, Scientology celebrities, you would be going in through a different entrance. They have, like, a whole entire, like, from what Leah Remini has described, they have what's called, like, the president's office, but they have, like, a big buffet spread. They have private auditing rooms for, like, just the celebrities, a special celebrity course room. They could send someone to your home to audit you. I mean, I never got to the point to be, like, a Scientology celebrity, but at that point like near the end, I was on posters, they were starting to groom me in that role, but um, just for the everyday person, yeah, for the everyday person, yeah, like if you had any entertainment industry desires, any sort of, like I want to be a musician, writer, whatever, you would be specially, you know, like kind of like groomed at the celebrity center to be like indoctrinated into Scientology, you walk in, there's a piano, somebody's playing it, there's all these people around, you know, it's very you know very luxurious very glamorous and you're coming from like me a small town and you're here and you're like this is like some important place and they find me something special or unique so they really just kind of hit on some sort of like button in me which is exactly what worked and then you know spending years of my life away from pursuing acting more or less being in Scientology gearing up to become a Scientology auditor and then being like oh you know checking my credit report why is there you know a $7,500 credit line out oh we needed that to donate for the IAS they would have these like uh, like regging sessions um where I remember one time they have like their restaurant their renaissance restaurant Steve come for like a free like dinner while we talk about the international association of Scientologists sure you go in there yeah they have food whatever there's several people there maybe like 20 or 30 people. So what they do is they'll give a presentation like this is how Scientology is being affected. You know, Scientology may be losing you know, their religious status. You know, I'm just making something up. In the UK, whatever, we need all of you as Scientologists who believe in this technology who know that Scientology is like you want it here on the planet for your future, you know, children. You know, their children, so on and so forth to save our planet. We need you guys because you're the only ones who could help us to get the money to be able to like like, start safeguarding Scientology in these areas to, like, put up, you know, a wall and say no we're not going to like lose our tax exemption here we have all this money to start throwing lawsuits or you know whatever they would do right so they put up a whiteboard and they'll write a number on the the whiteboard so they'll put up like say $85,000 they circle it they lock the door and they'll say okay amongst now you guys here's the game we're going to play amongst the 30 of you we need to figure out how to get that 80,000 85 whatever the number i said was so you guys now are, all have to work together to figure out how to get us the money So when I'm sitting there and hearing these things, I'm like, this isn't like a religious spiritual activity, but then you believe what they say. And like, what if, you know, I'm going to lose my spiritual eternity? Like, what am I going to do? Like, they're like, there's people out there on drugs on the street. Look on Hollywood Boulevard. There's all these people walking around all drugged out of their mind and they're going to drug your children. And it's just all these things. There's messages on television. If you watch TV, you know, there's like psychiatric messages implanted like in the commercials to hypnotize you. This is how Scientology tells you know, in their pitches, there's messages in those psychiatric commercials that make you feel, hey, I want that psych drug. Then you're going to go and get hypnotized by the psychs that are very powerfully controlled in the media, in the government, so on and so forth, because the psychs want to run the country and they want to control all of us as like little zombie minions because they're so anti-psychiatry. So when you hear these things, you're like, yeah, you know what, we need Scientology to combat that so we could be able to have a better future for all. So then it's like, okay, I'll give 3,500, could you give 6,000? then the you know, Scientologists come over with iPads, type in your social security number, we're gonna try to get credit. But these were things that would happen for like six to eight hours locked in the room at the restaurant trying to get money for their purpose. But if I wasn't there one day, and I'd be like, no, because I knew it would be one of those recruitment sessions, that's when they would use my social security number without my permission, To get credit cards, Chase credit cards, they got in trouble for, like, extorting credit from, like, Chase Bank. That was a big thing that kind of got exposed over the last few years. American Express, that was a big thing that people, they could call in American Express to get higher credit lines to give to Scientology. Like, allegedly, Scientologists in the bank who could underwrite and approve loans for Scientologists, even if they don't qualify for higher amounts of money. Maybe I could only qualify for like $1,000 because I was wow. broke. But then they'll say, hey, we have a Scientologist or like a backdoor number. And then all of a sudden you're approved for $10,000. So that's how they would do. And Chase Bank, they stopped like processing credit for a while for them. So. The banks are catching on, but I don't know why it hasn't happened any sooner. But it's just stuff like that that started to wake me up and be like, this is not spiritual. They're, you know, so homophobic. They're just every little thing. And it just came to such like a boiling point that luckily my husband saved me from all of it. I know I'm going off on such a tangent. It woke me up to like think about like, like, oh, my God. Like I it just it's just crazy to think that right now that that could be happening. That could happen last night. You know what I mean? It's
1: just I don't know how it's going to ever. Their, yeah. their finances just taken away from them, and and you were talking before about. I mean, when you started talking about the money and how they take that money away from you, you were talking about how you was amazed by people, you know, celebrity center, and and I think you know is is that then a key function in Scientology? Is they get these celebrities in there, in Celebrity Centre, I imagine it's Tom Cruise milling around with Lisa Marie Presley when she was alive and Kirstie Alley when she was and, and John Travolta, of course, and they're just sort of hanging out there. And that... Gives the rest of you, I suppose, something to aspire to. You could be an actor like him, and mm-hmm. and also, okay, I'll keep giving you money because obviously they're doing something right. Because look at look how well Tom Cruise and John Travolta were doing.
0: Yeah, but the thing is too to think about is people always think like, oh, Scientology is this like big celebrity religion when you think about like what sort of like modern day actors right now like how many of them are Scientologists like Kirstie Alley was in in the 70s or 60s you know whatever year she was John to 70s Tom Cruise there are these like old timers like yeah there was a few of them there was like the Giovanni Rabisi and there's like a few of those like second yeah. generation ones like maybe like five of them Mastersons. or ten of them Masterson and those sort of people um but it's not like nowadays, like you can't be like, oh, that TikTok star is like dabbling in Scientology. Oh, that YouTube guy, like who has millions of followers. Like you just don't have that. But I think that they really were trying to, like, basically, like the way I think of it is like throw spaghetti at the wall with a lot of us. We're coming there with like the new generation, like somebody like me who is like, I'm clean cut, I don't have tattoos all over. You know what I mean? Like I look very much like the image of what they wanted to present. Like, hi, come join Scientology at that time. So they throw all of us at the wall, and they hope that maybe some of us book like a big television show, a movie. Look, Steve Mango booked, you know, the next Mission Impossible movie. He got that success. From, woman, yeah, Elizabeth Moss, yeah. Look, she's a big, huge yeah. superstar, um, thanks to Scientology. So that's what they do. Yeah, ninety-nine point nine percent don't make it, but they're hoping someone like me does or you become like famous in Scientology, that you start going to different events and you start becoming like a fundraiser person for Scientology, like I could go to like all the Scientology orgs across the country, they'll put my face on posters, Steve Mango's teaching his secret to success as a businessman today. And then I could go through all, you know, all the Scientology churches. So there's some, like, Scientology, like, influencers almost. So I think that's what they were kind of trying to make me was, like, a Scientology influencer. You know, people would text me, hey, Steve, I see you on the posters. Like, And at the time, I was leaving Scientology behind the scenes, like, during this campaign. So Scientology's frantic. We have Steve Mango on every Scientology org across the world, promoting Scientology, where is he? (laughs) Like, what's going on? And I'm secretly meeting with my husband, like, hey, like, this is what's going on. Like, I don't know, like, is is Scientology, like, you know, saving me, or are they harming me? Like, is this money being taken from me? Because, you know... from an outside perspective yeah steve you you were getting scammed and rung dry but to me i'm like maybe it's because i have the available credit and i need to give that money for the betterment of scientology instead of buying like a gucci sweatshirt like yeah a gucci sweatshirt would have been nice mm. at 18 years old but you know maybe scientology could put it to better use so i'm talking to my husband and that's right. when he started being like you know what something's a little fishy <laughs> kind of going on and he knew, oh, it's a cult, but he knew to tread lightly because if he kept saying, it's a cult, it's a cult, it's a cult, I would disconnect from him. And then I wouldn't you know, yeah. be in a 10-plus year marriage right now. Um, but again, at that time, you know, what was I going to do? I was, it was like, it felt like life or death, but, you know, Scientologists are showing up, like, hey, like, why aren't you coming on course? Like, you have to go and see your poster. Like, you have to be like this influencer type of person. They didn't use the word influencer, but just as I'm relaying it, it's like, you are like a, like, uh you're so theta, they would say like theta being like what they would say is life force it 's your spirit it 's like this like you are theta, like you have to show up and you have to like be on course, be a good example as a Scientologist is the way to think about it it's so hard not to use their terms sometimes when trying to describe scientology it's like how do I say what they 're trying to tell me at that time yeah. but they're like, yeah, you have to show up, uh, you have to go in session, you have to be there, oh, we have this event, it'd be so nice to have you when you're on all the posters and stuff, but at that time, I'm like, secretly in my backyard over here, like, filming videos, getting ready to expose them, and knowing I was going to be a suppressive person, and they're calling a hundred you know 50 times a day over and over they're contacting my spouse they're finding where i'm living now like just over and just incessant like i literally would like change my number they'd find a new number and i was like i'm like literally feel like i'm losing my mind they want to drive someone to the point of like psychosis to like not want to speak up or whatever right so it was just a really kind of like scary time
1: that elizabeth elizabeth moss thing is is one of the uh, strangest things and, and also the, the pinnacle of how cults can, can get to you and cognitive dissonance and confirmation mm. bias and these kinds of things because she got famous from being the lead actress in The Handmaid's Tale about a cult and like she's obviously <laughs> oh. doing this every day. She's obviously read Margaret Atwood's book. She's really understanding it and engaging with it, I presume, to, to become a good actress and do the job yeah. and without any, any kind of understanding that that's the very thing that she's doing every day at Scientology. Yeah, and they just don't see those two like worlds like parallel
0: collide because they're so indoctrinated, especially through like their training routine drills. Um again, like their communication of being able to like sit in front of somebody. If you and me were sitting across from each other, you know, we may stare in each other's eyes for two and a half hours of, you know, one of Scientology's introductory TR routines. So you're doing these sort of um, drills, and one of them too, you know, people will bull bait you, they call it. So they'll start throwing out things like, you know, oh, like to me, they'll be like, you're gay, you're this, I don't want to like, be like, oh, you're a faggot, blah, 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 blah. And they would say stuff like that to get a reaction. Scientology's a cult, you're a cult member, and you're getting drilled to just be like, flat, thank you. You know, like, Scientology's not a cult, right? Let's move on to the next thing. Like, they'll just try to teach you how to, like, handle other people who are doing exactly that in the real world, bull baiting you. So, like, literally when that was happening, when I'd be in these, like, TRs day after day, that when I did meet somebody in, like, an acting class or something would happen, they're like, oh, Scientology, that's a cult. It's like, it's almost like when you're in it, you don't even hear it. You're just like, oh, Scientology taught me, you know, it's like on a subconscious level. You shut off your mind, just like in that two and a half hour drill where I'm just staring at your eyes for two and a half hours. You go into that TR routine and it's like you stare and you filter out. That's why so many Scientologists get that dead look on their face, especially when you see like protests and someone's like, Scientology just, you know, did blah, 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 and then they're just flat and they walk. They're like, they're like zombies, they're like robots. In your mind though, when it's happening, it's like you shut off some switch And then you filter the information out. You're like, nope, Scientology is not a cult. Cult is a closed group. We're an open group. Anyone's welcome to join Scientology, you know? And you start thinking those things. And it's like you self-correct yourself. To like get back in line with Scientology. That's why it's like it's too powerful on the mind, I think, and hypnoti- like hypnosis and all these different things that people don't realize is going on. Oh, I'm just learning how to communicate better for my acting class. Yeah, do these drills. No, these drills are to train you to be an auditor, to look at somebody in an auditing session who's maybe like talking about trauma and they're like, oh, like, fuck you, I'm leaving the session. Scientology is so stupid. In a to, for the auditor to be like, We have to continue to run this process. I have to, like, get you to a good point. Like, let's sit back down. Thank you. I wasn't an auditor, but that's basically what they do. If you try to jump up up out of an auditing session, they'll literally block the door from you leaving until you finish, you know, whatever you're talking about. So, yeah, these drills, just like even from an introductory level thing all the way up, you know, I'm sitting there, too, for my purification rundown when you sit in the sauna for, you know, four and a half, five hours a day running out drugs is what they would say. I passed out, you know, I was like having heat stroke and everything. Um, But I'd be on the cans, um, you know, on the e-meter, their lie detector having to, you know, answer questions. They're like, is there anyone in the media that, you know, has, that you've been, like, talking to, just, like, whatever it would be, you know, like, the words of, like, Scientology's, which would just be, like, their, you know, ethics, corrections, doing sex checks. So you'd be sitting there, and they'll be like, oh, um, do you have any connection or, like, any family members to have, like, a security clearance to the, you know, anyone in the FBI, the CIA? Like, have you ever done any, like, illicit diamond smuggling? Have you ever imprisoned a population? So you're sitting there at, like, 18 years old thinking, like, okay, they're asking me have I ever, like, imprisoned you know, a planet in a past life or something, and I'm just having to be there like, no. And I'm like, okay, what happens if the needle moves to say I did? So you start psyching yourself out. And then you know, too, like, how to control the e-meter in a way, too, to make it do what you need to, Mm. like, to have, like, a floating needle, which means, like... You're, it would mean in traditional sense of like, you're in a process, like there's nothing more on that question. Like you told all, you know, you're having a spiritual release maybe, or there's just no like dirty thoughts. You're not lying basically. So if they're like, Steve, like, are you gay? Or they'd be like, are you smoking weed? Or like they would try to figure out like maybe why it didn't come to course yesterday or something. Like, oh, like, were you with, like, another guy or something? And then I would have to try to, like, literally, like, if you, like, curl your toes, you can maybe make, like, a floating needle if you do it slowly. If you slowly kind of release your grip, there'd be, like, certain ways to do it. And I would, like, try to do that to get the floating needle so they wouldn't find out I was gay and then kick me out of Scientology at that time, even though it would have been for the best of me then. My credit, too. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Like, I was just in that place, like, oh, my God, what if they find me out? I'd be ineligible for Scientology counseling. So I'm, like in my own body, in my mind, like, they're gonna find out, like, my deepest secret, and then what's gonna happen to me, like, they're not, my acting career is gonna go to shit, my life is already at a shitty point, I'm 18 years old, like, what else do, like, I should have listened to my parents and not moved to LA or something like that, so that's kind of, like, how my mind was thinking about it back then. Stephen, where
1: should we send people to your like to your channel? How can they find your channel? Yeah, so uh, my YouTube
0: channel is Mangotology. So not Scientology, Mangotology. So if you guys want to hear like my full two and a half hour story, it's the first video or second video of my channel inside the Scientology Celebrity Center. You could just type that in. Um, I haven't been making like... Daily or like weekly content, like I used to. I will be back. People are like, "Are you ever going to come back?" I am going to make more videos. I've been in college, like trying to like move on from talking about my Scientology experience so much. I'm trying to become like a nurse and do like Botox and aesthetics, So that's my g- goal, like skincare and stuff. Like beauty is one of my passions, so I'm in school for that. So I'm kind of busy. So I'm doing that, trying to move on from all my past sort of stuff, like what we're talking about now. But um, if you guys follow me on Instagram at Stephen Mango, I post stories. You guys can keep up with me there and kind of see what I'm up to on. More of a frequent, you know, basis because I'm kind of disappeared from YouTube right now. But, yep, that's how you guys can find me.
1: Cool. Thank you, Stephen Mango, for coming on the podcast for giving up your time. People do go support him uh, by following, subscribing to his channel, Mangotology. It's not Scientology. It's Stephen Mango's Mangotology. Mangotology. Go check that out. Um, and keep keep on listening to this podcast as I promised for a very long time you know look we're back up to three episodes a week, a week for people you get the ad free version on Apple subscribers on Patreon.com slash Andrew Gold and on AndrewGold.locals.com on Locals I do extra live streams I do my weekly newsletter on Thursdays there three things I learned so there's extra bits and pieces there so I'd probably recommend you go there but a lot of people like it it's easier in some ways to go to Apple subscribers or, or Patreon but remember AndrewGold.lo and i hope that you're enjoying the podcast at the moment because i have tried to vary it a lot more than i was doing there's a lot more stuff you know we've done israel we've done uh, organ harvesting we've done all sorts of weird wonderful controversial and saddening things keep enjoying it keep listening and please go out and share this with a friend i forgot to ask that i haven't asked it in ages and the listening figures aren't going up quite as quickly as the the youtube video viewing figures so if you've got friends who are into listening to podcasts please do mention on the edge with andrew gold to them and just have a good week